0: Good morning, and welcome to Mornings with the Mayor, an in-depth look at issues and opportunities facing the city of Vacaville with Mayor Ron Roulette. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. This morning, we have a special guest in studio,
1: Jason Ryan with the League of California Cities. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for joining
0: us.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: Good morning, Jason. It's great to have you here with us today. Housing, very hot topic, especially here in Vacaville and all up and down California. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what you do for the League of Cities and what your role is with the housing issues. Sure, happy
2: to. Uh, again, thank you for for inviting me in. Housing certainly is probably the hottest topic, you know, right now in, in our communities. I'd say housing and homelessness they're they're certainly running neck to neck. I'm um, at the league. I'm the assistant legislative director, and I'm also the housing and land use lobbyist. Um, I work on you know pretty much anything and everything that has to do with land use, housing, homelessness. Um, been at the league now for about six years. I started off working on some of the environmental issues, um, and then transferred on over to, to to land use, and you know, seek was a good bridge between a, an environmental environmental stuff in, in L.A. so hasn't been uh, too big of an adjustment.
1: That's great. So we, we continue to hear lots of people talk about the housing crisis here in California. I'd like to hear from you and get some actual facts about our housing situation.
2: Yeah, when it comes to to housing, I mean, I think that the biggest issue not only is just general affordability, Um, and when I mean affordability, I mean, you hear, um, you know, people talk about affordability, and it means different things in different contexts. Um, When we talk about affordable housing, um, we generally are talking about housing that's affordable to people that uh, make uh, an income of 80% of the median income. That's like the legal definitions for affordable housing. Um, But when people hear affordable housing, it's like they think about what's affordable to them, and and that's something that, that is a big challenge here in California. California, so we have affordable issues both on the affordable housing side and the affordability side. Um, But we really have a supply problem as well, and we've been underproducing housing here in California for a number of years. I mean, the Great Recession had a lot to do with that, clearly. Um, But we're producing about 100,000 units on average in the last few years, and we did dip to about 80,000 here not too long ago. So production is certainly down, and there are many, many reasons for why production is down. There are many challenges. Um, Cities certainly play a role in that. I mean, we play a very important role when it comes to planning and zoning and making sure we have enough land available for housing. But ultimately, it takes developers to build that housing. It takes workers to build that housing. Um, folks have to be able to afford the housing that's being built. Um, so there are many, many factors that go into it. But um, I would say the greatest challenges around housing really are around supply and affordability.
1: Absolutely. And listening to the community, one of the most questions that we get asked is, Why is housing becoming so unaffordable?
2: Yeah, that's a it's a really tough question. Um, I think there are a number of factors that have that have led to prices being increased. Um, developers, I mean, it seems like they tend to want to build housing that's a little more on the, the higher end, larger homes, a little more luxury. Um, those homes obviously tend to be more expensive. We absolutely have labor shortages. Um, the the fires and the disasters that we've had in our state in the last few years and the rebuilding process has really sucked labor away from you know other other markets. Um, so so the labor market's gotten a little more tight. You know in our area around here. Um, so the cost of construction has gone up. The state continues to place additional mandates on housing um, such as solar requirements. That was a recent one from this past year, I think, or late last year, where all new homes have to have solar on it. It's about $12,000, ten dollars to $12,000 more. So while we're trying to find ways to lower the cost of housing, the state's layering on additional requirements that are driving the cost up. Um, and then there are also a number of issues at the local level. I think that that can drive the the cost of housing up. I mean, we have you know impact fees. We have you know other ways that we need to to, to you know mitigate for the, the development that's coming in. Um, we have no other way to provide those services. You know, police, fire, streets, roads, sewer. Those are all hard costs that that continue to go up. Um, so you know, developers have to you know pay those fees, and there's really no other other way for us to, to do that. So th- those fees certainly are are part of the equation. Um, and then just just you know the the economic boom that's occurring in the Bay Area. I mean, you have lots of workers that are making lots of money um, and you know, there really isn't a, a supply there for them. So that by itself is driving up the the cost of housing and the ripple effects are headed here into the valley. And um, so working folks around here are having to deal with folks that, you know, may commute to the Bay Area or may work from home and, and make that Bay Area salary, and <laughs> it's making it a real challenge.
1: Yeah, it does get frustrating. Uh, you know, here in Vacaville, everyone's saying, you know, there's no housing, there's no housing for me. Um, just in the last few years we have uh, over three thousand units ready zoned ready to be built and then uh probably in the last couple years we've only had maybe a couple hundred houses built per year Um, so it's frustrating as on the city side because we don't build homes we wait for the developer to build the homes but it seems like they're not building as quickly as we'd like them to Um, i don't know if it's if it's something that we can work on uh what what's preventing the community from moving forward.
2: Yeah, no, you, you make a great observation, um, and this is something that, that we've seen, and we've actually seen it um, <clears throat> really highlighted in uh, the, the building industry's own documents. So last year, they produced a report, and I forget the exact name of the report, um, but they uh, went around and surveyed all of our cities, and I forget, they surveyed a couple hundred, and they wanted to get a handle of how many um, uh, units were out there that were actually approved, so the city has gone through all the approval processes, everything's done, and really it's just the developer needing to pull that permit, so city's out of the way and they wanted to see how many permits were actually being pulled. And that report found that there are about 450,000 units that were approved. No more hurdles at the local level, and the developers were just waiting to pull that permit. Where some of them were under construction, and they estimated it's going to take them five years to build those 450,000 units that were already approved. Um, so much like you said, you had those units approved here in town. You're looking around. You know, why aren't developers coming? Right. Um, one thing that we did here this past year is that infrastructure is a major driver to the cost, and the governor put 500 million dollars in the budget this year. In the infill infrastructure grant program, um, which is going to be available to all of our cities, so you know I think that's going to go a long way. So developers that are needing to put in more streets and roads and sewer connections and that sort of stuff, they'll have access to the 500 million dollars. So I'm, I'm hoping that that'll get the ball ball rolling a bit. Um, but it is quite frustrating. I would agree with you. Right. We have all these units that are approved. Everybody's gone through the process of you know it's a long process, right? It Takes a couple years sometimes to get these things you know to the to the finish line, and then people are sitting around. Um, so we certainly want to find other ways of. Getting Developers to actually develop. Um, you would think on the on the natural, you know, having you know committed a lot of money to the project, acquiring the land, the financing that, you know, you'd want to get out there and get those constructed. But um, if, if nobody's there to buy it, if interest rates go up, I mean, they fell again, so that's a positive sign. But um, you know, it, it is frustrating, and I think we want to figure out how we can get developers to develop. Um, I think it's particularly frustrating for us when we hear the legislature say that you know cities are an impediment, cities are a barrier. And then we look and, well, there's 450,000 units that are, <laughs> that are out there right. that could be constructed right now. And why isn't that happening? And, and you know, you hear labor shortages and you hear other stuff, but um, we all got to get creative and figure out how. I mean, we got we to get those going before we, I think in my mind at least, really criticize jurisdictions for, for a lack of development. Because like you said, we don't build homes. We approve right. them and they're ready to go. So let's get them built.
1: Yeah. We're all excited that SB1 got passed. And uh, we, you know, we're talking about infrastructure. What you said, uh, it seems like we always bring the development and then think about the infrastructure and the traffic impacts. It's it's nice to hear that we're going to start getting in front of that, get the infrastructure, get the roads maintained, and then bring the development. Yep. So that's good to hear. Yep. Um, also, you know, with the loss of redevelopment, you know, a lot of cities had the ability to help some developers come in with some affordable housing. Now that redevelopment's gone, uh, there's really nothing out there. Do you see anything coming up, any plans on the horizon to help us out?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. And you know, with redevelopment, like you said, I mean, that's about a billion dollars a year that we've lost Um, and it's been what, since 2011, so a number of years. So we're in the hole, billions and like almost $8 billion. We're in the hole. Um, I, I think a, a little a little good news on the horizon, I mean, we got the bond passed last year, so there's about $4 billion. Um, the league and many, many of our cities help, you know, support that and pass that, so really grateful to all that effort. Um, those dollars are starting to roll out now, so very positive on that front. But this year, the legislature, I think, has gotten a little bit more serious on wanting to bring back some form of redevelopment. There were two bills in the legislature this year that attempted to do that, um, AB11 uh, is one of them um, from Assemblymember Chu. Um, he, he was looking to bring back a, a much more similar version of redevelopment. Um, it got bottled up earlier in the year. And then we have SB5, which is uh, Senator Bell, Portantino, McGuire's bill. Um, that we've been working really hard with those off- with those offices to, to get it passed. Um, it's certainly not redevelopment. Um, but what it does is that it brings back this partnership between local governments and the state. And it really um, it gets the state to reinvest in infill, reinvest in infrastructure invest in affordable housing and cities can team up with the state to get a portion of those dollars they'll have to you know put in some of their own money as well um, but what's good about it is not only will there be state dollars up to two billion dollars annually once it's fully implemented um, but it relies on some of the existing tools that have already been brought back in a replacement for for redevelopment like your infrastructure uh, finance districts your creas um, so if a city uses those tools or does a, a you know specific plan to streamline housing um, you can then draw down some of those state dollars and pay for that infrastructure, get the affordable housing built, and again, $2 billion. So we're, we're fighting hard to get that in place this year. It's in the Assembly Appropriations Committee right now, so we're going to know in about a week, 10 days, whether it moves on to the, to the Assembly floor, um, and then ultimately, hopefully, to the governor's desk. So that would be a real game-changer. I mean, it, it'll, it'll it'll make a big, big difference long-term for affordable housing.
1: Well, uh, as you explained, there's things coming up, but as you know, government moves very, very slowly. I'm wondering, you know, representing Vacaville, how how can we speed up the process on our side?
2: Yeah, government doesn't always move as fast as we like, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, you know, I think the best thing I think that Vacaville can do um, is, is to look at what's available right now. And I, I think there's some really important dollars that are that are out there on the planning side. Um, that, that There's about $250 million more in this year's budget for additional planning. Um, but as we speak, SB2 passed a couple years ago, and those dollars are available. There's a, a notice of available funding that's out right now, where if the city wants to streamline their housing. Uh, approval process in some fashion or if the city wants to do a, a specific plan to cover a you know, large portion of your city uh, and then you're going to do an environmental document on there It'll pay for all of that to then pave the way for development. Um, that's on the table now. And I think it gets back to what you're saying about um, developers you know, having these approvals but not moving forward. Um, if you can draw down some of the dollars that are literally on the table right now through HCD to do a specific plan to do the EIR, that will save a ton of money for the developer because the state essentially is going to finance it. So then they don't have to pay for that. Then you know they'll have more resources available perhaps to, to work on the infrastructure or to draw down the infill infrastructure grant money. Get some of that, and then they can actually get the units to pencil out. So I think those are two powerful things that are on the table right now that can be done. I think, you know, more long term, I think it's certainly kind of get SB 5 passed, bringing back that state commitment, to the locals, so we can team up and actually get units built. Um, and then I think just ultimately working with the development community, working with community groups, getting everybody involved um, so that we can update our plans. We can get that housing element that's around the corner, you know, the six cycles coming up in a couple years, you know, and many of our general plans if we need to, getting everything in order um and there's money 250 million dollars on the table right now to get that house in order that we've never seen before the state has always been really reluctant to give cities money for planning um, but there's literally hundreds of millions of dollars available for planning right now so looking long term get those plans up to date get it going um and then you certainly can uh, can get yourself you know, fully ready for development and hopefully lower the cost of development
1: very nice i want to brag a little bit about the city of Ackerville and, and our staff uh, years ago we decided We need to find incentives for developers to come to Vacaville and and build these homes. So what we ended up doing was putting some of those costs on the backside, uh, not telling the developer up front, hey, bring us these millions of dollars. We're saying, go ahead and build your house and then give us some of the fees that we uh, charge. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped a little bit. Obviously, not enough. We're still looking for... Um, Ideas, creative ideas to make sure that they're coming to Vacaville. Is there anything else that the League of Cities is doing up in Sacramento to drive this for us? Any other incentives out there?
2: Yeah, and and we're always, you know, all about incentives. I mean we you know, I strongly feel that you can the state instead of mandating things on cities, mandating certain zoning, mandating certain heights or densities, you can get that behavior through incentives. And our cities do not leave money on the table. So, you know, when it comes to the most powerful incentives, I mean some of them have mentioned already the SBT dollars, the info infrastructure grant program. I mean those are, you know, very big incentives for cities to update their plans, get their house in order. I'd argue most cities are are already in order, but we can always do a little bit more. We can always maybe speed the process up I'm um, a little bit more um, but you know it, 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 some of the other incentives that, that I'd recommend um, taking a look at really is you know some of the fees that, that are that are charged and you mentioned you know having the fees paid on the backside which is a really great idea. Um, there was a, a new study came out earlier that's like earlier this week, uh, the Mitigation Fee Act report that came out it was required by a bill from a couple years ago. And It talks a lot about you know our fees and how they're designed and you know sh- you know how to charge them sh- the nexus studies all that sort of stuff. And the report you know I, I thought the report was going to be you know not not as good as it was you know for cities. Um, but they had some really good, you know, thoughtful ideas in there about how, um, you know, we can as cities, how we can take it upon ourselves to make it a little bit easier for developers. One of the ideas was what Backville's already doing, you know, having having the fees paid on the back end. Um, there's a way of doing it when you don't maybe not pay, maybe not charge the fee until the service is required or the facility is needed, um, so you can kind of pave the way for for the developers to to come in. Another thing is to to be really transparent in those fees, so developers know exactly what it's going to cost, or at least have a really good idea of what it's going to cost before they break down or break ground and get the financing in order um, so being more transparent about the fees the Nexus studies I think having that out there is not only beneficial to the city um, but it's also beneficial to, to the developers that so they know you know ahead of time um, which I think can ultimately lead to it to, to being a little bit uh, quicker when it comes to, to building
1: and um, a lot of people don't think of um, you know the infrastructure and the um, the uh, travel time and all those things those all come in line with housing. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we're doing a great job uh, with our transportation. Uh, we have uh, Slano Authority, tra- uh, excuse me, Solano Transportation Authority that we're working side by side with to make sure that uh, we're putting houses next to transit centers, mm-hmm. uh, b- building that, that gap. So those are exciting things that a lot of people don't think of. And I think they all run together. And I think yep. we need to make sure we're putting all those things together.
0: Speaking of that, Jason, just uh, a, a quick question for you. Um, the city does have two priority development areas in town, uh, concentrating housing around transit. Um, one of them is our Allison, which is our major transit center. Uh, three nice plots of raw land, and we just haven't been able to find funding sources to help move those forward. The city owns part of that property. Huh. What we'd really like to do is a transit-oriented development, bring in workforce housing yep. into that. But um, what we found is there's a lot of plans on the table, but not a lot of money today to move forward. It's a lot of, you know, talk to us in a year, we're still trying to figure out how to get this done. So, do you know, kind of, what what do we look forward to when it comes to this PDA concentration or trying to locate this housing close to major transit hubs?
2: Yeah, you raise a really great point. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about you know requiring cities to do exactly what you guys are already doing, you know, more density, more height around transit, get more people in those important areas. But there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about how we finance it. How are we going to get it right. built? Um, the closest thing we really have would be the bond that passed, you know, in, in 2018. Um, there's money available for transit oriented development. Um, SB five, that you know, there's an earmark in there for transit oriented development. I mean, so you know, well over a billion dollars um, that could be used um, in, in those areas. So, I mean, the, the SB5, you know, still kind of betting on the come. We've got to get it passed. But the bond is probably your your best bet as far as real dollars. Um, the conversation around, you know, greater density, greater height around transit will continue through the fall and next year. I mean, SB50 will, will come back in some form. So I'm hoping that we can then tie the financing conversation around. It's like we can plan all we want. We can change all the zoning we want. But if there isn't money there, we're not going to see the units actually constructed. So they certainly got to go hand in hand.
1: With... Um A lot of these grants and a lot of these bonds that are out there, is there any way that you can give us some insight on maybe how to get ourselves strategically put in front of the line in front of all these other cities? Uh, For sure. you know We
2: we definitely want to educate all of our members on how to access those funds. Um, We've done a couple webinars um, on how to access uh, some of these dollars, particularly some of the homelessness dollars, too. Um, Those are on our website. We certainly can circle them around. But this year, we're actually, this fall, once the legislature adjourns, um, we're going to go and we're going to do multiple webinars, and I believe we're actually going to do some in-person briefings as well, um, to lay out to our cities how do you access these dollars. Since there was well over a billion dollars in funds in this year's budget alone for housing and homelessness, we want to make sure that Everybody knows how to access it. The, uh, the department's working on guidelines right now. Um, once those come out, we'll get a little better sense of how you apply for them and that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, we, we definitely want to go out of our way this fall to make sure our cities know how to access those funds because we don't want to leave any of those dollars on the table. I mean, it, it's desperately needed, so we need to access them.
1: Yeah, That's great. You know, the housing crunch is not going away. No. Um, you know, is there anything else that we should be doing, anything that you would give us advice to our residents that – Hey this is what's coming anything that that's out there you know to wrap this up
2: yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a lot that, that can be done. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things is really community engagement. And, you know, we're looking to the next cycle of arenas coming up here in the next couple of years. We're all going to get much larger numbers. So we're going to have to plan for additional housing units in our community. We're going to have to go through that public process. But I think the sooner we can engage the community and let them know that, hey, you know, we're going to have to plan for more housing. We're going to see more housing. Um, but we're going to do it in a way that to try to minimize the impacts. So we're going to do it around transit. We're going to, you know, so we don't have all the traffic. Congestion. You know, we're going to access dollars to, to improve the infrastructure um, that that's that, that's needed in our in our community. I think having that conversation with the community is, is really good. I think it'll kind of it'll minimize some of the concerns that folks have. Um, I think most people probably aren't all that resistant to development if we can mitigate the congestion. If we can, you know, mitigate the the impacts of the development, I think people are a little more open to it. But if we're just going to add a whole bunch of people and we're not going to have you know parks and libraries and we're not going to have the infrastructure there, um, I think that's when community members get a little resistant. So I think having that conversation with the community is, is really important, thinking about that next round arena and how our numbers are going to go up. Um, you know, and, and then I think just you know, trying to, to access as many of you know, the grants and, and other programs that are out there, the money is, is available. Um, you know, getting that money, putting it into use, I think is is pretty powerful. Um, and then, really, just I think thinking ahead and, and trying to to see what the city can do to, to minimize, you know, some of the, the barriers that might be out there. It sounds like you guys have already done a great job with some of that. But I mean, you know, any way to speed up that you know permit process to have another clerk at the at the desk, you know, you know whatever it may be, um, you know. And again, there's some money out there to to help with that. But just you know, taking a taking a look from the inside and saying, okay, how can we how can we speed this up and um, just eliminating as many perceived barriers. Areas as possible. But at the end of the day, right, it's still going to take developer to develop the financing has to be there. The, the demand has to be there. Um, so we can't do everything. But I mean, I think cities can can do a lot to, to, to be in a position to, to see that development actually happen.
1: Well, I can't thank you enough for all your time coming down here today. Um, there's a lot of things that are out there floated through the air, and it's nice to have someone an expert like yourself come down here and give us the facts on housing so we appreciate it and would love to have you back sometime but thank you very much
2: yeah absolutely happy to do it thank you for having me
0: and thank all of you for listening but don't let the conversation end here go to www.letstalkvacaville.com and get involved we want to hear from you have a great morning